And Fermani, although you fall into two previously disadvantaged categories, that of being a black and a female, you classify yourself as a privileged person because, as you've mentioned... I'm interested in this yes, as well. Um, you, you had a great education, you had um, access to networks and hence employment. So what do you think the crucial things are that we need to do as a country to make that, that so-called privileges commonplace? I don't know if I think I'm a privileged person in general, but I, I recognize the privileges that I've, I've had, right? Right, there's a, there's um, a distinction. You yes. know what I mean? Um, and I think I, I recognize those privileges because I think responsibility flows from that. So it's 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 not an... Because I think it's also very possible and, and I think would probably go unchallenged if, if someone said, look, I'm black and female, what more do I need to do? You know, like really, how do I need to serve? I've already sort of come from a, a place of... Um, Disadvantage, disadvantage or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. And those things are true. Um, but there's something about the time, um, I think, or the, the time that I was born um, in, in terms of its um, historical place in South Africa. And it meant that if you were sort of just the right person at the right time, all the doors would open for you. And I really feel like that's been the story of my life. It doesn't mean um, I've had a sort of a cushy path, um, but it, 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 you know, with, with just the right amount of effort, um, things have, have been possible for me in ways that I think really wouldn't have been. And, and not just for other black females, but even for white males. Um, and so in recognizing that privilege, I think comes responsibility. Uh, and so, you know, when you talk about what the state's response should be, I think I, I have to agree with everyone who spoke today on the question of education. And I'm really sad about how badly um, we've mm. gotten it. Um, but education is, it, it really is, it's the foundation, right? Mm. What gives me some hope is that, you know, in, in the communities in which we work, we find that we're often, we're starting to deal with a new, and I think really poorly represented group of people who are possibly sort of high school dropouts. Mm. They're not employed um, and are, you know, not old enough to earn any sort of state grant. So, you know, they, they don't have any form of income. And very often those people are kind of, they're just ignored. They're kind of lost. Yeah, they're lost, right? And there's also the sense that they have nothing to offer. Um, and they've been so miseducated that they can't be retrained and, and you know, um, integrated back into the economy. And I think my experience is, is that actually that's not the case. I'm just thinking of a, a, a young guy that I know who worked at Checkers as a packer and he put himself through matric, and he ended up going to Oxford. Wow. He's come back from Oxford with a master's degree. In what? Incredibly bright guy in political philosophy, and he's now doing his PhD. He's back in his... He's, but he was a, a shelf packer at Checkers, and he fitted exactly into that profile of the guy just sitting there and... You know, he didn't have matric, he didn't have hopes, he didn't have anything. So, I mean, his story is one of so inspiring that I think that's so interesting to think of there being another layer of people who need 
education, a different kind of education. And I because think the country could benefit. I think it's such a shame that they that there's been such a massive uh, shutdown of technicons and things where you might not have been able to get your matric or you might not have uh, the sort of results that send you off into um, a tertiary level education, but you are, you could still become a, a plumber, a carpenter, an artisan, and yes. a, of whatever sort, and in fact make a lot of money and 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 be creative and and build an industry. I mean, it's 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 very short sighted. Also, this particular generation of people that we're talking about also represent not only a huge challenge to us, but unless we deal with that challenge, they represent a huge threat. Because I can tell you that I sense anger rising and people are not comfortable with the fact that they're being so totally marginalized. So I think it's really important that, and hopefully it's not too late, that we tackle this huge inequality that we see in South Africa. I think there's a unique opportunity for, of course, the state, um, but also the private sector Definitely. to, you know, to intervene. Because mm. this is where, so going back to the question of triple BE, this is where you get your skills development points from. Look, the whole conversation around um, gender inequality is very related to race, but I need to bring it back to women because that's what we're here to talk about. In an attempt to do that, there are a lot of challenges inherent to being a female entrepreneur. And I'd like both of you to explain some of the ones that you've faced and, and what you've learned from them. Let's start with you, Fumani. Look, I think the first thing is people, men don't take women seriously. Um, it is very common in my industry to attend a meeting and have all the men address each other and not you. Um, so, you know, I'll be sitting there and they'll all have their backs turned um, and they'll be having a conversation amongst themselves. Because how, do you, how do you not get angry with that? Is it, uh, who's um, Donald Trump's ex-wife? You know, you don't get angry, you get even. Life is a, is a long game. Mm. So I, I know that in that moment, it's not the last time I'm interacting with you. Um, and so I'd rather you eat humble pie at a later point. And very often it, it's soon enough, you know. <laughs> but that's just on a on a personal level. I do think that collectively we need to come together Mm. you know i I think that we're we're missing our collective power the kind of power that would act on those men um regardless of where they are so that they know that that behavior is just not acceptable but i want to um really agree and 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 build on what on what you're saying because uh, and i'm i'm assuming that the situation is more difficult for you because not only are you a woman but you're a black woman so i'm a white woman so i have my privilege but it's still been very difficult a i agree that you don't get taken seriously by men often i've had to work twice or three times as hard as, as, as male competitors to gain a contract. I've had to bend over backwards to actually make sure that my delivery is 10 times better. I don't know if you've ever been in the situation where you've had to go to a bank and try and Ask raise a loan <laughs> because you know your client hasn't paid you on time. And you know, you've got a key client and they're three months late paying you mm. and you have staff to pay. Mm. As a woman, it is virtually impossible. It is virtually impossible. I think it's much harder as a female. And I really like the idea that um, I think we should come together. I think I, I don't. it's going to be hard. And I think that's part of what my work is about. Even establishing a woman's bank, 
if enough women were interested in it. Yes, that seemed to get I quite mean, a lot of excitement that, in the yes, audience. I thought that was a very, very significant idea. We are actually the controllers of the purse strings in the domestic environment, and that is so 100% true. And I would say now, I would say at least 90% of, of people of my generation are, are bringing in a dual income, and yes. often the woman is bringing in more than the man. Yes. Um, but yet, when we are, when we do have to approach institutions um, of power, we feel somehow belittled, yes. or we or we somehow lack our courage. There needs to be a fundamental shift in yes. in an appreciation of the power that we actually hold, yeah. a real power. You know, I mean, I was thinking when people were talking about that that one of one of my clients is a a very large retail company, and they only have one woman out of fourteen on a board. And I remember challenging them by saying, well. Who does the shopping? Yeah. You know, who decides what, what, what they're going to purchase? It's not the guys. Well, occasionally it might be the guys, but it's women. Women hold the purse stream. Women go into supermarkets and do the shopping. Why are they not represented? Why are their voices not heard? I, I mean, it's... On, am I missing something? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I think our banks are incredibly spoiled. They have a lot of corporate clients, um, which is why they really struggle to recognize us when, you know, we, we raise money as women, um, raise money as startups, because, frankly, they're spoiled, you know, and, and, and so they, they don't need to take on the risk. They, they just don't. <laughs> right? They don't. And, and that's the thing about this dual economy. And as women, we represent that, that second economy. You know, we're, we're new. We're a new risk. Um, the things we want to do in the economy are new. But, you know, everything that we, we we do and how we present is new. We can be disruptive. And so while we can ask for change, we can also be the change. And we yes. can create these institutions that, yes. yeah, you know, really I understand us. On that note of be the change rather than ask the change, rather than wait for it. Teresa, what is your dream for the women of South Africa? And what words of encouragement can you give those who look up to you? It's very difficult to be a woman in South Africa because the, of the amount of violence that's perpetrated against women. Um, and I think one of the things that we need to do as women is, is stand together and actually take our power. I mean, one of the amazing things today about the conference was that that was reiterated over and over. We've got to own our power. We mustn't be afraid of, of using our power. But I think we can only do that if we can join together as black women, Indian women, white women, women with disabilities, um, and work together and, and, and see the, understand each other, then that becomes possible. And Fumani, you were quoted in the press saying this, we believe we have seen the future, we have touched the future. It is our responsibility to make that manifest in today's world. So what challenge um, would you like to put out there to our women listeners to encourage them to be a part of the future that you have seen? Definitely as you know, one of five entrepreneurs and being the only female, what I see very often is that women are quite risk averse. They're incredibly bright. The majority of our team, so I mean, Billy today is a team of 25. It's not just the five of us. And of those 25, five are men. Wow. Because women are incredibly, they're bright, mm. they're talented, they're our capable. head of engineering, our head of um, uh, asset management, these are all women. And so what always stands out for me is that we just don't want to take a bet on ourselves. You know, we just don't take a bet on ourselves. And all these institutions are growing on the back of the efforts of women. 
incredibly hardworking, incredibly bright, but risk averse. And I think the challenge is to say, let, take that risk. Take the risk on yourself. Take mm. that risk. T take a chance on yourself. There's a reason why 54% of graduates are women. We can do it and it's just a matter of taking the risk. Well, ladies, it's been an absolute privilege to talk to you both. Thank you so much for your time. And I wish you all the best in your singular, quite similar visions of how we could make this a more equal and beautiful country. Absolutely. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Thank you very much.